Hey, pals, Lauren here. I am guessing that you have some sort of digital device. And on that device, you can get apps. And one of the apps that you should have on your devices is the NPR One app. NPR One is the best of public radio and beyond. So you can get all the scoop you need on the election or local stories, or you can get your favorite podcasts on there. NPR One basically just makes your life better, like a lot better. So find NPR One on your app store today. Now, before we start, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to The Big Listen. It means a ton. If you like the show, and we hope you do, please review it on iTunes. It really matters. I know everyone says that, but trust me, it does. And if you review us, we will even send you a brand new Big Listen sticker. Boom. Now let's start the show. Kelly Prime used to have a pretty unglamorous job. I used to be a warehouse receiver at the Outdoor Gear Exchange in Burlington, Vermont. She would spend hours and hours restocking the warehouse. And what that entails is picking up these sheets with lists and lists and lists of all these thousands of items and going down through these labyrinthine halls in this basement warehouse and climbing up the shelves to pick items out of boxes and throw them into a cart, which you'll then take out onto the floor and redistribute them again. That job is like some people's version of hell, but not for Kelly, because all those hours spent carting around hiking boots and long underwear, that was prime podcast listening time. I could just go on autopilot and I'm like sitting with Ira Glass for like two hours and suddenly I'm like, oh, there's more more black diamond hats than there should be. And then eight minutes later, whatever, I can be like, time to go back in. Like, how's it going, Ira? I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts you might not have ever heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. Now, during her time at the warehouse in Vermont, Kelly listened to a lot of podcasts. And she gained a deep appreciation for warehouse work. To dedicate your body to something while being completely in a story and you can come out of it for a moment to interact with your colleagues, but uh, it's, it's just really, really meditative. And at the warehouse in Vermont, it wasn't just Kelly who was listening to podcasts. Just about everyone she worked with there was too. So we could all be doing the same type of work. We're all restocking, we're grabbing things from shelves, uh, floating through these aisles doing the same task, but our minds are in completely different places. We can be in totally different worlds, depending on what podcast we're listening to that feels like time travel or space travel or something. But Kelly and her colleagues didn't keep all their great listening to themselves. No, they shared them with each other. We'll hear more about that later in the show. But first, we want to share some shows with you. In the past year, comedian Phoebe Robinson's star has ascended. She wrote a New York Times best-selling book, You Can't Touch My Hair. And she's done stand-up on just about every late-night show. And she appeared on the Today Show with Natalie Morales, which is like being on the big listen, but with brighter lights and a slightly more attractive interviewer. Robinson grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. After studying screenwriting at the Pratt Institute... For our purposes, though, Phoebe is a podcaster. Absolutely, and she's smart, and she's funny, and people love to listen to her. She hosts the show So Many White Guys, 
which ironically features practically zero white guys. OMG, I'm so excited to do my very first solo interview talk show. Each episode, I'm going to be talking to people who are killing it. I'm talking about people who are making music, TV, comedy, books, whatever. I'm picking them because they are talented, but also because they're not just straight up white dudes. You've been tricked, At the end of the season, I will be interviewing one white dude, the token, and he will have to speak for the entire white race. Oh, Court is in session, baby. I do my hair and she also co-hosts Two Dope Queens with former Daily Show correspondent Jessica Williams. I'm Jessica Williams. And I'm Phoebe Robinson. And you're listening to Two Dope Queens. And we got an extra special show coming at you because it is Phoebe's motherfucking birthday show, y'all. Yeah, we got a cool lineup. Phoebe Robinson, welcome to The Big Listen. Hi, how are you? Hi, we're doing okay. Probably not as good as you though, because you're blowing up right now. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I feel like why are you why are you slumming it here when you just were on the Today Show? <laughs> you're like the slash, right? You're like the ultimate slash <laughs> right now, right? Because you're an author, you write for TV. <laughs> Never you're... been compared to Slash. No, you are. Oh, the... like oh, I'm <laughs> not the rock. I was like, how am I like Slash? But no, like... I, I mean, I wish that you were like the slash, right? Like you had a top hat and yeah. I couldn't see your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in terms of like you're doing all the things, mm-hmm. what is that journey been like? Because it's it's happened in a it seems like a really short amount of time from when you were like I'm gonna make this my full time gig, yeah, until now when like you have a million things going on. Yeah, I started stand up a little over eight years ago. So for me, I'm like, it feels like a long, long time. Mm -hmm. But then you were able to take your stand-up and make it into a podcast Mm -hmm. on Two Dope Queens with your your work wife, Mm -hmm. Jessica Williams. How did the idea for that show come about? Um, We met two years ago when I was doing background on The Daily Show. Uh, we just hit it off. We never met, but like we knew of each other because of improv backgrounds. And just as we hung out, I asked her to do a podcast I was taping in my apartment. And I was like, it's really chill. <laughs> it's like not janky or anything. And then she was like, okay, I'll do it. And then we did it. And she mentioned that her birthday was coming up and she always wanted to do stand up. And I said, just as a goof, just co host a show with me. It'll be fun. And she said, okay. And then when I saw she left, I accidentally deleted the podcast. I was like, all right, so it's a little jank. And then we just did the show, and we had a really great time, and we just kind of riffed and goofed around. We really wanted to plan stuff out, and we just couldn't mm-hmm. because of our schedules. And so we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll just do this again. And so it was just very much like we just really hit it off, and it really just worked. I was at the gym. I was worked out. and No I, braggies. Uh... <laughs> And then I, I called an Uber to take it home because no I'm, uh, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to treat myself now. Like I'm, I'm in my 30s. I'm going to appreciate right. myself. So I'm, I take Ubers home from the gym. Mm. Mm. I don't have any kids. I got money to waste. It's fine. Mm. Um, you ain't got no dependents. Yeah, no dependents. Nada. So uh, the, the guy uh, picks me up and he kind of looks like like Bad Russian number four in a Liam Neeson movie, sure. you know? Uh-huh. No lines, but yeah. got the face. So yeah, he's yeah, in, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so 
the gym is on like a one-way street, so I'm like trying to get into the car, and there's this guy behind us just like honking his horn. He's being like a total D-bag, uh, being really rude. I'm like, I'm trying to get in. I'm sorry. So I jump in, close the door, and then the guy pulls up to our car, and they are like driving and f- like yelling at each other at the same time. Uh-huh. And they're both, they're both white, just to recap. And my cabbie goes to this guy. He goes, What? I know. So what did you say? I was very confused. I'd never seen a white person call another white person that. So I was like, is this, is this race? No, it is race. Is this racist? <laughs> is it so racist that it doubles back on itself and it's not racist exactly. anymore? Exactly. It canceled each now, other. Now, the format of Two Dope Queens obviously seems very much in your wheelhouse mm-hmm. because it's a stand-up show, and I think you operate in the variety realm. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. But then doing so many white guys mm-hmm. is different because that's you and a guest, just straight interview. Yeah. So why why go a little off course? I always like just chatting with people. And when I was doing my podcast on my own out of my apartment, it was really just an excuse to interview comics that we we just never see each other because we're always busy. So I was like, well, I'll just do my podcast and we'll hang out for a couple of hours. And it really worked. And so when WNYC asked me, they're like, you know, your book is coming out. Maybe we could do like a one-off thing. And I was like, well, maybe we could do like a short series mm-hmm. that would be between two seasons of Two Dope Queens. And it really worked out well because I think – you know, we have funny episodes, but we also have episodes like with Lizzo, which I think was amazing because I feel like a lot of times people act like rap stars don't have any substance or they're not smart. And she's very intelligent and woke and funny and sweet and has all these opinions and she's religious. You grew up in a religious household. Yeah. And then now you're doing rap. And a lot of times people think that you can't rap and also... Yeah, believe it or not. So, like, how do you, like, how, like, how did you make that transition? And like, do you ever think you would have like put more religion into your music? Because I mean, Chance the Rapper is doing that. Yeah, and that's like working well for him. Well, the funny thing is, is well, first of all, I kept it a double I kept it a secret I Mm -hmm. kept it away from like my Detroit family because they're the Pentecostal Kojic Church of God in Christ like they are the ones who were like you can't listen to secular music there's certain Mm -hmm. movies you can't go and see um and I remember moving down to Houston liberated us a little bit from religion and but I felt so blessed because I had spirituality on lock like um but more importantly the music in church is what really made me love going every Sunday. I was like, the way that this choir makes you feel, the way that like somebody could just up, like when the pastor's doing a sermon, just start screaming and going to song and then my cousin would hop on the organ and then somebody would start running around. Like that is still music. So I felt Mm -hmm. like I could bring that energy on stage. Um, All of my shows are like church to me. I do reference a lot in my music in december my grandmother passed away and i went to her funeral in detroit and my cousin Landis got on 
and was like, you know, he was like, I know this is a funeral, but we going to have church today. I can't help it. The Lord is so good. And he started telling this story and like the band started, you know, my cousin started playing the drums and the organ and he's singing in between the story about my grandmother and my great grandmother and all of her aunties, my great aunts. And so I was like, record because wow, wow this is amazing. Yeah. And then he looks at me, he's like, am I doing all right, Lizzo? Anyway, I, and he never calls me Lizzo. You know, they all call me Tip Jr. or Malila or whatever, you know, whatever country ass name. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I was like, this is really like the universe. So I recorded it and I wanted to use it on this record. I wanted, so I created like all these gospel interludes and it is going to be on the record. I I just want y'all to know that I started this in December of last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you sing us a little something? Oh, what you want me to so sing? So there's like I so just... many layers to her. And I just was noticing that anytime someone who wasn't like a straight white guy, they were kind of just being othered. We're mm-hmm. like, Janet Mock, let's just talk about you being trans all the time. And it's like, well, that's very important. She's a trans activist, but there's so many other layers to her that I want to <laughs> explore too. Um, but you've been through through so much. You worked as an editor how did you, what were you thinking your your future was going to be like when you just like first got your job at People and you were just crushing it? Like, what did you perceive for yourself? I saw myself being the features editor at a women's fashion magazine. Um, and then I worked at a fashion magazine as an intern and I said, I don't want to have to do nothing with any of these um, I do not want to be here. I did yeah. not want to tape up boxes in the fashion closet. I, like, I, I, I did was like, that too. Yeah. The I had to like just pack makeup. Yeah, you basically work at UPS. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't, that's not like what I want to do. Um, and so for, that's what I saw for myself. And I think that for so long, what I did was that my training as a journalist was that I was very comfortable living and living and hiding behind the telling of other people's stories. Mm. I think a part of that was a survival tool, too. The sense of, like, I don't deserve to be the protagonist of this story. And it took a lot of unlearning work, right, to say that I'm worthy of writing myself into history, writing myself into a book, writing myself onto... So I think with this show, it was great to, you know, talk about these other things and not make them feel like a a minority Mm -hmm. on a show. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do, like, a little... You know, you and Jessica have done the I would, I wouldn't. Oh, cute. Um, but with radio men. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> I hear I hear from your voice that so you don't actually think it's fun, but no, you're, it's going to be fun. I'm just wondering no, you're if I know would the... with any okay, of them. But, but okay, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll, we'll see. see. Okay. okay. Number one. Uh-huh. Tavis Smiley. Whose show you did? I know. He's so sweet. I feel, I felt familiar. Like right. family with Right. Her. Phoebe Robinson is an actress, comedian, and podcaster whose new book about being black and female in America is called You Can't Touch My Hair. I love it. <laughs> and other things I still have to explain. <laughs> Phoebe, good to have you on the program. Thanks for having me. He's like your uncle, so you wouldn't date him. Yeah, I wouldn't date him. Okay. But we would totally like hang out and watch like football on Thanksgiving. Right. Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Okay, so Tavis, if you're listening, like, <laughs> invite Phoebe because she's looking for a place to go for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Okay. All right. Howard Stern. Oh, gosh. You know, I think he's really funny. I think he's a great interviewer. I think... Let me point out this outfit you're wearing. I like it. I like it very much. Thank you. It's some outfit, right? <laughs> How do I describe this look? This I don't is know. A, The short shorts are fantastic. Thank you. I mean, you are so free with your body, right? I mean, you... I saw you on Saturday Night Live. I watched you. Thank you. 
it's tough for me because a lot of his stuff, especially in the early days, was super misogynistic. So right. it's really it, the feminist part of me is like, nah, dog. But like the other part of me is like, I bet it would be a, a fun, a fun fling. Yeah, you can have a fun date. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think it would be fun. I if think you, it would make me laugh. If a he lot. wasn't married. Yeah, yeah. This is all. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is only abstract. As right. if none of these people had partners. <laughs> right. Okay. I want my last one on my list, but I don't even think I can ask it. Is Terry Gross? My guest Jonathan Safran Four has written a new novel that revolves around fundamental questions like, what does it mean to live a good life? Is happiness the ultimate ambition? And what is happiness? I love her, Tara Tara. Let's hang out. But she probably won't now because I call her Tara Tara. Right. And I've never met her, so I shouldn't nickname her already. But I would, I would love, 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 love to go on many a date with her. Right. And they're going to ask me about like Mark Marin or like Alec Baldwin. And I was like, oh, you didn't. Okay, switching it up. No, I'm, I'm no. trying to, you know, I, I mean, do you want me to ask you about Alec Baldwin? Sure. <laughs> this is Alec Baldwin. And you're listening to Here's the Thing, my chance to talk with artists, policymakers, and performers. Would you go on a date with Alec Baldwin, assuming that he was not married and had multiple children? Maybe I'm too open. I should have, yeah. I mean, you know what? Why limit yourself? You're a modern lady. I am. You don't have, no one, no one needs to draw a border around you. Yeah. I'll leave that to Trump with the borders. (laughs) Well, we will leave it there. Uh, Phoebe Robinson (laughs) of Two Dope Queens and so many white guys with multiple O's uh, and the author of You Can't Touch My Hair. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me. This is a lovely studio. There's a lot of nice light don't it's so dusty it's dude it's all radio studios are dusty but i like the light Phoebe Robinson is the host of So Many White Guys and the co-host of Two Dope Queens both from WNYC Studios to find out more about any of the things Phoebe has going on including a TV pilot from Emmy award winner Jill Soloway check out our website, biglisten.org. We're going to take the briefest of breaks right now, but when we come back, we're going to go in a totally different direction with the creator of some of the most original audio dramas out there. The entire idea that we could be in our fourth year of making the show and it could be a full-time job, that that wasn't even something that didn't seem likely. It just never even remotely occurred to us as a possibility. That's coming up next on The Big Listen. Stay tuned. This is NPR. Hey, pals. Thanks for putting your ears on the big listen. You know what else you should put your ears on? NPR's pop culture happy hour. Woo! I just hit the mic. Woo! Every week, the Pop Culture Happy Hour crew brings you great conversations about the best in movies, music, TV shows, books, whatever is happening in popular culture. From their fall movie and TV preview to in-depth discussions with people like Trevor Noah and Shonda Rhimes, you will find something you like, I promise you. That's Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Find it now on the NPR One app or at nprone.org slash podcasts. This is Preston Ross from Birth in Colorado. Just calling to say that um, 
one of the, my favorite podcasts that I've been listening to for, uh, say almost 10 years, is called The Grapes of Rad. Um, they're based in Seattle. It's, it's always just a handful of people, three, sometimes more, sometimes less, people just hanging out and talking about things that are on their mind. When did we turn into an adult podcast? <laughs> That's... Are you kidding me? You notice I haven't been talking that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the one catch, though, that I think you forgot to mention is if somebody were to purchase a house through you, Ben, yeah. as a listener of Grapes, it does have to be called Grapes Manor, and I get to be your butler. It kind of makes you feel like you're in the room with them and you're friends with them. So it's amazing. I love it. Anyways, thanks for having this voicemail. Talk to you later. Bye. Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want to know what shows have you obsessed these days. Fire on up the old pod line and leave us a message. The number is 202-885-POD1. The world deserves to hear from you. So remember back in the day when people used to gather around the Victrola and listen to old-timey radio dramas? Okay, me neither, but just pretend with me. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Well, the team behind Night Vale Presents is recreating the radio drama for the 21st century. Alice, I want to start by saying, sorry, someone cut me off. Anyway, I want to start by saying that this is not a story. It's a road trip. The team is building a small empire of shows that take place in sort of weird sci-fi-ish worlds. Like the hit show Alice Isn't Dead. I'll keep driving this truck. I'll keep wandering this country. I'm going to find you. I will. And Within the Wires, which launched this summer. Before you start the study, find a private spot, alone, away from your unit mates and security nurse, far from disruptive sounds such as telephone booths and redress sirens. These cassettes are to be listened to free of external interference. And the orbiting human circus of the air, which is an amazing title. In the grand ballroom at the top of the Eiffel Tower, the red velvet curtains part, and suddenly the giant on-air sign above the stage lights up. But their flagship show is Welcome to Night Vale. It's nearing its 100th episode, and it has a true cult following. The desert seems vast, even endless. And yet, scientists tell us that somewhere, even now, there is snow. Welcome to Night Vale. Joseph Fink is one half of the creative team behind Night Vale Presents. Joseph Fink, thank you for, uh, for joining us on The Big Listen. Oh, no problem. So I would love you to describe Welcome to Night Vale for me, because I feel like if I were to try to put it into words, it would be challenging because it's I feel like it's sort of genre busting. But yeah, tell me your like one sentence description of the show. Sure. It's a fictional scripted show that takes the form of community radio from a small desert town where every conspiracy theory is true and people just get on with their lives. And now, a look at the community calendar. Saturday, the public library will be unknowable. Citizens will forget the existence of the library from 6 a.m. Saturday morning until 11 p.m. that night. The library will be under a sort of renovation. 
it is not important what kind of renovation. Sunday is dot day. Remember, red dots on what you love, blue dots on what you don't. Mixing those up can cause permanent consequences. The show obviously uh, hit a nerve with people, and I'm wondering if there was a particular moment where you knew you had sort of struck gold. Yeah, uh, there was a very specific moment, July 2013. The first, so we started June 2012. Um, And that first year, we did way better than we ever thought we would. Our our goal was to hit 100,000 downloads in our first year, and we hit 150,000 downloads. That's pretty ambitious. Well, that that wasn't the goal when we first started. Um, That was the goal after we started to get some traction, which we did within the first few months. Um, But we had about 150,000 downloads the first year. Uh, And then in July of 2013, just within the month of July, we had 2.5 million downloads. (laughs) And then just in the month of August 2013, we had 8.5 million downloads. It's an amazing jump and not one that I think most people who have podcasts, even good ones, can, um, can claim. Our entire goal when we started the show, we had no... We had no goals for it being a job or it being popular. Our entire goal was just to make something cool and hopefully some people who weren't friends or family would listen to it. I mean, it's a similar goal (laughs) when you make small New York theater. Your entire goal is that a few people you don't know will show up and that you'll have made something worthwhile. And so that was our goal when we started the podcast. The entire idea that we could be in our fourth year of making the show and it could be a full-time job. That wasn't even something that didn't seem likely. It just never even remotely occurred to us as a possibility. Right. And now it's a whole enterprise. Now you have ostensibly a, a production company, right? Uh, I mean, yes and no. It's uh, The production company is the same people who have been making it the whole time, which is to say it's still being done out of our homes. I thought you were dead, Alice. I really did. I know that there was no evidence for it, but I couldn't think. I really couldn't. I couldn't think of another reason you would vanish like that. Just gone. Just not you next to me in the mornings or coughing before bed. The halo of warmth you made in the air around you. Just air now. I mourned you, Alice. I've never loved anyone so hard. From my goddamn gut. So, screw you for that. I mean, really. I appreciate the fact that you have queer characters. The storyline is not built around their queerness, and they're just regular people who are experiencing regular life things who just happened, uh, who just happened to be gay. I, I just, I appreciate that. So, thank you. I don't feel like we're doing anything extraordinary. We're just doing what should be the baseline, which is writing about the world as it is and writing about human beings as they are. Human beings are not consistently white, straight, and beautiful. That is not what the world looks like. Um, And so we're just trying to write about the world as it is. And I just always feel very uncomfortable accepting congratulations for doing something that doesn't feel like it should be out of the ordinary. In listening to both Welcome to Night Vale and uh, Alice Isn't Dead, both of them feel like sort of draped in in metaphor that I'm like, I'm perhaps like not bright enough to tease out, but it does feel like I'm like, I know this is a metaphor for something. <laughs> Sometimes there are specific metaphors. I think a lot of it is you just write from what's true to you 
and you put it into the world you're making. And so there, there's often going to be connections back to the real world because that's the the emotions you're working through. I don't know if there's anything specific as a metaphor. I don't think there's like every passage in Night Vale or Alice Isn't Dead has a real world meaning that I'm trying to convey. It's not like coded that way. It's just you try and imbue fictional characters with real worries and real emotions. We wrapped up dinner at Gino's with a slice of their special, invisible, non-corporeal, and tasteless carrot cake, which was as light as air and resembled air in all other qualities as well. Our waiter, formerly a heavyset man with a large mustache, was now a buzzing shadow man defined only by the absence of light in the vague shape of a torso and limbs. Presumably, our former waiter was on break. I mean, are people telling you, you know, sort of why, like, the appeal for them of of the type of work that you do? I've talked to so many different people with so many different reasons. You know, we, we have heard from people who are, you know, were teenagers struggling with their sexuality and, and having this queer main character that it wasn't a big deal was helpful to them. We've also heard from people who just really love weird fiction and, and love hearing weird fiction. We've heard from people who are big fans of radio drama and this felt to them like that. I've heard a ton of different reasons. Uh, another thing I we hear a lot is that it's comforting um, because in Night Vale, you know, in Night Vale, things are scary and you could die at any moment, but people just get on with their lives and, and have to be okay with that. Uh, and in the real world, things are scary and you could die at any moment and you have to be okay and get on with your life. It was just us and the trees and the crowd of our fellow citizens who were all doing the usual recreational activity of pointing at the sky and shouting in terror. So I think there's a lot of people who find the attitude that Nightville has about the dangers in their town comforting and helpful to them. Joseph Fink is the co-creator of Nightville Presents, which produces a number of fictional podcasts. To hear more about what they have going on in their cabinet of curiosities, hit up biglisten.org. Remember our friend Kelly from the top of the show? She was the one who worked in the warehouse in Vermont. Well, the lovely thing about her story wasn't that she had a job where she could listen to podcasts while she worked, though that is pretty great. What made Kelly's job special was that the podcast brought all of these warehouse workers together. Doing something communally together, the same activity, all in in the same space. Like, you know, you're passing people constantly, but while listening to something completely different, I think that sharing that comes out of that is natural. Um, so it, the solitude very much fosters community. Here's how it would go down at the warehouse. This is Kelly reading from an essay she wrote about it. As restock ends and lights flick on across the store and behind freshly caffeinated eyes, a contagion is spreading. I told Amanda about Limetown. Amanda brought risk to Becca and Scott. Becca passed on sword and scale to Ben, who gave it to me. Everyone seems to listen to Radiolab, but that might be because the web department does without headphones, blaring the voices of Robert Krelwich and Jad Abumrad for the whole basement to hear. I mean, for a job where you are literally slinging hundreds of woolly socks around a basement, that's not too bad. I wish I could just listen to podcasts all day and get paid for it, 
Wouldn't that be grand? <laughs> it's time for another wee break, but when we come back, we'll hear from the creator of the Memory Palace about his podcast go-tos. The truth of the matter is, like, most of my podcast listening is, I like listening to the classic genre of two dudes talking about stuff. <laughs> That's just ahead on The Big Listen. Stay put. This is NPR. Hey, Lauren. I love the show that you're doing. Two podcasts to recommend. The Model Health Show by um, Sean Samuelson. A great combination of sexy and scientific and all about great health and maintaining good health. Today we're going to be talking about pre-workout nutrition, Uh intra-workout nutrition, and post-workout nutrition. Check it out. And also the Scummy Mummies who do a podcast about parenting and childhood and general mothering and and experiences and they're really really bloody funny having four kids is probably enough to keep you tired enough not to you know no 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 we have very healthy sex life good 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 i'm comfortable talking about sex it's fine (laughs) my name is hester h-e-s-t-e-r when n-g-u-y-e-n both podcasts are worth a listen thanks bye Welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and I want to know what is coming out of your earbuds lately. Assuming you can still use earbuds with your device, call up our retro pod line at 202-885-POD1 and tell us everything, or at least just what you've been listening to. Moving right along, we have now entered Listen Up Territory. This is the part of the show where we grill your favorite pod people, producers, reporters, hosts, about what they are listening to. Today, I'm joined by one of the most soothing voices in the podcast landscape, Nate DeMeo of The Memory Palace. This is The Memory Palace. I'm Nate DeMeo. All the times he'd been to the Arctic, and the guy had been up there a bunch, he'd never seen it like that. Not so early. The usual plan was you'd pull up anchor from San Francisco in March or April, so you'd get up to Alaska by June-July at the latest. There'd still be snow and icebergs, because it was still the Arctic and it was 1897 and we hadn't screwed everything up up there yet. Nate was a radio producer before launching his podcast, and he always thought he'd do a public radio show about history. But he knew listeners were not going to sit through an hour-long discourse on the French and Indian War or something. So he figured brevity was the secret weapon. Turns out, six minutes is Nate's sweet spot. Nate DeMeo, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us here on The Big Listen. So happy to be here. I've always wondered where the name Memory Palace comes from, because it's delightful. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, I I picked it in part because it's delightful. Um, And, you know, it's got what you kind of want a name to do. You know, it's sort of easily Googleable and, and, uh, you know, it's it's memorable and whatnot. But it's rooted in a mnemonic device. It first started where this philosopher, whose name has slipped my mind, developed this technique where you would go down to 
the marketplace and you would like first you would look at the fruit cart and then you would remember the beginning of your speech and then you would you know turn around a little bit and you would you know there'd be someone selling sandals or whatever and you would remember the second part of your speech and so then when you know uh, days later when you were up giving your speech instead of you know trying to remember the words and trying to remember the way that they flow together you actually would tie those words to an image so you would recall the fruit cart and the words would kind of fall out and then you would recall the sandal cart and those the next phase would fall out and uh, <laughs> scholars kind of developed this thing afterwards where uh, you would essentially just imagine that space and not so not only was it kind of a delightful name um, like I really liked that idea that that by creating these sort of small moments in these short stories and kind of like helping us kind of remember these sort of corners of, of whether it's forgotten history or remember the kind of reality of that history. I like the idea that they would kind of live in this uh, sort of imagined space. Yeah, so your show is just like one giant memory palace. Like it's this huge, ornate <laughs> palace with like lots of rooms and turrets and crenellated walls and all that stuff. Yeah, there was a while where, um, you know, the dream for the memory palace was sort of like an hour long week weekend public radio show. And part of the original concept was that there would be kind of a, you know, a fictional place. There might even be like a fictional sort of eccentric billionaire who has pulled these stories together <laughs> in some kind of you know, imaginary place that would get sort of more and more kind of Baroque and complicated and sort of like the Winchester Mystery House would just sort of <laughs> grow and expand in weird ways as we added strange you know, halls <laughs> devoted to various subjects and things like that. I'm so sad that that didn't materialize just so that we could have, you know, like an eccentric billionaire character on public radio. Yeah, I th that's it's yes, we've been missing that from uh, right. the public radio airwaves. <laughs> because your episodes are quite economical in their length, are you drawn to shows that are sort of the same length? Or are you like, I want to listen to a three hour podcast now? No, I kind of go in the opposite direction. You know, it's like I, I enjoy doing interviews and I realized that I was sort of nervous about this one because I was going to out myself as a very standard podcast listener. Because <laughs> when it all comes down to it, like, yes, like I do want to hear the new thing. And yes, I want to like, like hear things, you know, where people are pushing the envelope and whatnot. But the truth of the matter is like most of my podcast listening is I like listening to the classic genre of of two dudes talking about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am listening to like, you know, every couple of days, like I see what, what Tom Ashbrook on On Point was, was, you know, has talked about in the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. And I might listen to one of those things. Saturday Night Live has been on fire this election campaign season from Larry David as Bernie Sanders last winter. I really do use uh, podcasts for the most part. Like there will be times when I will go in and I will binge like a bunch of Here Be Monsters. The figure was a monster of vaguely anthropoid outline. Or I will mm -hmm. binge, you know, a, like a bunch of The Heart. Welcome to the heart. Because they're beautiful shows and, and, and doing interesting things. But on sort of like a weekly basis, I love podcasts where you develop the relationship with like the couple people in the room. You know, that like over time, like I have, that's a relationship that I've developed with, you know, with Mike Pesca and Stefan Fassis and, and Josh Levine on, on Hang Up and Listen, um, the Slate Sports Podcast. Now, Arnold Palmer, of course, died on Sunday yeah. night. He was 87. The drink that bears his name, Mike? It's really a boring story. Well, it's practical. I was going to say, yes, a sad day for golf, a sadder day for beverages. Not since Barnabas Yoohoo shuffled <laughs> off to his 
this eternal <laughs> coil. What is the coil? Where is eternal? Anyway, tell me the story as you know it. It's like that's what he liked to drink. And he was in yes. a restaurant and someone said, what are you drinking? And he said, iced tea with lemonade. And yeah. she and she said to the waitress, I'll have an Arnold Palmer. Or I'll have a Palmer. Or I'll have what Palmer's having. And then it became yeah. the Arnold Palmer. And then, of course, he, he, made, he made millions of dollars from it. Thank God. My kids knew Arnold Palmer the drink, had no idea he was a golfer, which is fine. Now, do your kids, your kid, your daughter, did she do the thing where they order, what kind of juice would you like? I'd like an orange juice and apple juice mix. Actually, what kind of juice do you have? I'll have them all mixed except grapefruit juice. Actually, I do that. Is that a thing in your family? You do that? I do that. I order cranberry juice with orange juice mixed in. It's called the Fatsis. The the Stefan Fatsis. It's called the Stefan Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Time for Whimsy Watch, our weekly look at whimsical moments in the non-whimsical NFL. Camping. These are like you know three guys that that once a week for at this point multiple years, you know I have spent you know depending on if I skip over a segment or whatever I've spent you know like forty minutes of my week with, um, you know for a number of years and like those habits are sort of hard to break. It's like hard to kind of like introduce you know new new radio buddies <laughs> into your head. Yeah, um, sure. But I but also like I really find I, like in so many ways like so much of the magic of podcasting. You know, which is the magic of radio is the, is this sort of like weird one way fictional relationship you develop with the people you listen to? I know. I mean, I've I've like thought for a long time that you and I were best friends because I listened to you, but we're probably not. Probably not, but but maybe we would be. But it, but but you get that you feel like you could be. Yeah. No, exactly. I get that, and uh, you know the the landscape just keeps um, growing, changing, and shifting. And in a way, I feel like it's like with music. We have just infinitely more music to choose from or seemingly more because everything is digital. And I feel like I just keep going to the old things that I've been listening to because it feels too overwhelming to even figure out, like, who's hot now because it's always someone new. And in podcasting, I wonder if that's a similar sort of a thing. Like, you go back to the dudes you know and love because it's, like, familiar and comforting. It's not that I'm not looking for new things. Like, I'd be happy to, like, have new dudes and women in my life. In the last uh, several months, I've started to listen to uh, The Canon, the movie podcast with, mm-hmm. with Amy Nicholson and Devin Faraci. Hello and welcome to The Canon, the show where every single week we get together and debate, argue, and sometimes harmoniously agree about which movies belong in the canon of all-time greats to live on forever. I am, as always, your host, Devin Faraci, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Amy Nicholson. Uh, we have an exciting guest in the studio today, Amy, but before we... There was something kind of magic about... Um, eavesdropping in on people's friendship and no I'm totally open and excited to find things like uh, rather than music the thing that I, I feel like podcasting is most like these days is TV you know there's something new coming up and you don't know if you're ready to commit you know it might take you a few episodes <laughs> to get into it um, you know because there's so there's so many choices and there's just simply so much out there and everyone listens you know to these things at different times in their day you know, for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, like there are, there are podcasts, types of podcasts that I can listen to while walking the dog that I will not listen to while I'm driving, you know, in, you know, in Los Angeles traffic. Right. What do you listen to walking the dog? Well, I've kind of gone back and binge listened. Um, one of my favorite podcasts for the past four or five years, um, uh, Andrea Salenzi's Y.O.Y. Tonight's show, what happens when you and a friend realize you've gone on Tinder dates with the same people, but had very different impressions. Uh, there's booze flowing, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to invite this girl from Tinder. I don't really remember anything super memorable about it other than he was just trying to hold my hand a lot. Maybe I can cancel this and just go home and read a book or something. 
we got in his car. It was full of cans. <laughs> it was full of cans, like soda cans and cigarettes. They like fell out of the door when I opened the door. I just shoveled them from the passenger side into the into the back seat, like the the cloud shoveler on the Care Bears, but it was like cans and cigarettes, you know. You're never quite sure where the sort of truth line lies. So then if you're if you're stuck in traffic or you're, you know, you've just dropped your kid off at school, then what are you listening to? Then I'm like listening to True Hoop from the ESPN Podcast Network. It's True Hoop the Podcast. I'm Kevin Ornaments. I'm in Los Angeles. Pablo Torre is in New York. Pablo, how are you? Hello. Hello. I'm good. I'm sad to be back here. We had a good dinner, which you cooked for me in Los Angeles, which I want everybody to know about because it was amazing. You know, like there are many basketball shows and they will ask, you know, they will discuss the, the, you know, the topics of the day and they will interview the sort of luminaries of the basketball world. And, and on some level, it's kind of whatever, but true hoop in particular is this mix of, you know, four to five, a kind of rotating cast of guys. um, And it is exclusively guys, which I actually find kind of strange for some good, female basketball reporters, even within that ESPN world. Um, But they are an extremely diverse bunch of guys sort of in every way. It's this mix of people who would never be talking if they didn't have the same profession. And it creates this like, you know, very like lively, like weird, really kind of like exhilarating mix. And lately they've also for some reason decided to mix ridiculous uh, sound effects into things. You are at the Lakers facility. Am I right, Mr. Bontemps? Clickety-clack. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little noisy, so I apologize in advance for that. But I'm I made the trip down from uh, from Oakland, and uh... it has this entirely bizarre um, sort of like audio landscape for what is literally just four dudes talking about like you know the Miami Heat. Nate DeMeo, thanks so much for sharing um, sharing your podcast listening habits with us. I really appreciate it. Delighted to. Thanks so much. Nate DeMeo is the host of The Memory Palace from Radiotopia. To find out more about any of the podcasts my vocal crush Nate recommended, hit up biglisten.org. It's got the links. We have almost reached the end of this week's episode. No, no, it's so terrible. But before we let you go, it's time for Chartography. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the iTunes charts. We are not looking at number one or even number 100. We are looking at number 289. And seriously, believe me when I tell you, it is hard to crack the top 300. So 289 is pretty great. This week's 289, let me get my notes, is Jim Harold's Campfire the ghost stories. Wait, is that what it's actually called? (laughs) Wait, hold on. Oh, wait, I can't read my handwriting. Sorry. It's Jim Harold's Campfire True Ghost Stories. Sit back, relax, and warm yourself by Jim Harold's Campfire. So this show uh, is where Jim Harold, um, paranormal podcast guy, takes calls from people who have experienced some sort of paranormal activity, and they want to tell their ghost stories. And the, the beginning of the show is really amazing because it has this very intense piano opening, just like really low piano chord, just like dun, dun, dun. Um, which is weird because there's also a campfire going. So it's like, do you have a... 
piano in the woods at your campfire. It doesn't make any sense, but I guess it's to create an ambiance. Um, so the episode that I listened to for this amazing review was about electronic voice phenomenon. Very fascinating stuff. Which apparently is like when spirit voices just like happen to show up in other recordings. Hold on to your hats. So the first caller takes this thing called a ghost box. He says, I ran off into my own corner and fired up my ghost box. He shares this recording um, on the podcast. Devin, wow. Which is basically him asking questions like, What's your name? And then this crazy sound is like, (laughs) And apparently that's the ghost talking to him. I, I pretty much peed my pants. Psst, you want to know a secret? The Big Listen is a super fun podcast that is also a radio show. But don't tell anyone. No, just kidding. Tell everyone. Anyway, subscribe to the show on iTunes or NPR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts. And as always, we love listener feedback. Like us on Facebook or check us out on Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. Or send us some electronic mail at biglisten.org. And if you want to get a weekly helping of The Big Listen delivered to your inbox every week, subscribe to our official newsletter. You can do that by going to our website, biglisten.org. The show was produced, mixed, and edited by Jacob Fenston. I, Lauren Ober, was recovering from the presidential election. Special thanks to... (laughs) I don't know what that voice was. Special thanks to our VP of Black Ops, Beck Feldhouse Adams, and to my main man, Hans Anderson, for helping out. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army-Navy, the band, not the store. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now, Kelly Prime with a few final thoughts about listening to podcasts while on the job at the Outdoor Gear Exchange Warehouse in Burlington, Vermont. That culture, the blending of solitude and community, is what makes the OGE Warehouse such an amazing place to work. And so much of it comes from the shared experience of listening. People come to the warehouse from all over. This is a career, a second job, a stepping stone, or, for one floundering freelancer, a saving grace. These days, she's no longer a floundering freelancer. She's a producer with Audible Originals in New York. And not a day goes by in the new challenge of New York that I don't try to replicate the experience. When it's time to hop on the train, I put my earbuds in. Till next time, keep those earbuds in, America. This is NPR. Hey, you're still here. Thanks for sticking around, and thanks for listening to the entire show. Now, I have a favor to ask of you. If you like this show, please review it. It really helps other people find the show. Trust me when I tell you this. I know you hear it all the time, but your review matters. Please and thank you.